This is Plant-Based Briefing, Dying Traditions, The Truth About Thanksgiving Turkey, Part 2, by Hope Bohannik at freefromharm.org, posted at all-creatures.org. And I'm Marian Erickson, host of this curated content plant-based podcast, where I narrate, with permission, a variety of articles on plant-based and vegan living in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article is a bit longer than that, so it's a two-parter. I read part one yesterday, so go back and listen to that first if you haven't already, and then come back here for part two. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Dying Traditions, The Truth About Thanksgiving Turkey, part two, by Hope Bohannik at freefromharm.org, posted at all-creatures.org. Humanely raised and free range is better, right? As people become aware of the miserable conditions birds endure in the poultry industry, companies are attempting to appease customers by describing turkey meat as quote-unquote humane or free-range and other good classifications. Unfortunately, these labels are largely insubstantial, and the overwhelming similarities between practices on a supposedly alternative farm and those of a more conventional one far outweigh any differences. While most free-range farms do offer outdoor pens, overcrowding is similar to indoor operations, and painful mutilations are still routine. While visiting Animal Place, a farmed animal rescue sanctuary in Grass Valley, California, I met Dakota, who puffed up his large arc of white feathers as we approached. Dakota's snood and waddle, the wrinkly skin around his beak and neck, were a brilliant bluish-purple. As we got closer and started talking to him, the folds of skin turned a dazzling red. This amazing talent can be an expressive indicator of his mood. What an incredible being, and so beautiful. But poor Dakota's feet were terribly deformed. His toes looked like swollen stumps. Dakota had been rescued from a free-range facility where 20,000 birds were overcrowded in outdoor pens. Workers had not only painfully removed a portion of his beak, but had also cut off his toes. This must have been an excruciating experience for the young turkey. If a turkey is treated with kindness and has plenty of space, he will not normally use his claws against others, but because of the overcrowding and brutal handling, stressed turkeys use their thick nails to defend themselves, which can be dangerous to workers or other birds. Rather than treat them humanely and give them the space they need, the industry has deemed it to be more convenient to cut off not just the nails, but the first and sometimes the second section of the turkey's toes so they will not grow back, all without anesthesia. This is a common practice even with labels like humane and free range. The open wounds often get infected and swell, making it incredibly painful for the turkeys to walk. The similarly cruel practice of de-beaking is also routinely performed, no matter the label, where a sizable portion of the beak is burned off when the turkeys are just chicks. Not only is this a painful mutilation, but turkeys use their beaks to preen, to groom, to peck, and to eat, all of which can be impaired with a disfigured beak, causing lifelong suffering. There is a dark side to the romanticized notion of animals free-ranging outside— in harsh weather, heavy rain, freezing temperatures, cold wind, sleet or snow, outdoor operations may not have adequate indoor space for the birds to get out of the weather. In nature, turkeys would seek out natural barriers to bad weather like trees, bushes, or slopes in the terrain. Thousands of birds overcrowded in a muddy outdoor pen are often unable to escape the weather. 
Turkey farming, no matter the label, does not provide for the bird's complex needs, and the result is a miserable short life. Butterball's Tall Tale An announcement almost a decade ago by Butterball, the largest turkey producer in the United States, is an indicative example of the popularity of humane labeling. Butterball provides one-fifth of the U.S. supply of turkey meat, producing one billion pounds annually. The company announced that by the fall of 2014, just in time for Thanksgiving, all of their products will have the quote-unquote American Humane Certified label. Of course, this will make consumers feel that conditions for turkeys must be significantly improved and that Butterball is providing a healthier, more humane product. But what does the label really mean for the millions of condemned turkeys currently awaiting the holiday holocaust? The label's requirements are so lax that most are already in practice, such as the basic provisions that require adequate food and clean water. It is likely that very few of the Butterball facilities will have to make any improvements at all. Under the American Humane Certified label, there are no requirements for animals to have access to the outside, so windowless indoor buildings are still the standard. And the stocking density requirement, how crowded the birds are, is one square foot of space for every 7.88 pounds of bird. This is only slightly more space than the typical industry standard. Birds are still de-beaked and de-toed and are still bred to become painfully overweight and still go to the same horrifying death as all the other non-certified turkeys. The American Humane Certification is designed to be industry-friendly, so producers can still cram thousands of birds into windowless buildings and have a pacifying label on the product. This is nothing more than humane washing to cover up the inexcusable and horrifying reality of confining and killing animals. Visceral Veganism There is an added element to contemplate when considering the Thanksgiving turkey. The traditional way to serve the dead animal is to pack the turkey's body with stuffing, up the bird's disemboweled rectal cavity. The anus has been removed, but let's face it, it's still basically stuffing food up a dead animal's rectum. This is a repugnant revelation when you truly stop to reflect on it. The visceral reaction to this is disgust, and rightly so. Animals' bodies are similar to ours, and the thought of eating out of someone's rump should be seen as filthy, offensive, and incredibly distasteful. Eating dead bodies in any form is revolting, but this method is particularly ghastly. A New Tradition of Compassion In the recent past, the majority of U.S. citizens favored slavery. They resisted those who were fighting for the abolition of people of color. If you lived 150 years ago and were white, do you think you would be in favor of freeing the slaves? Or do you think that you would be in the majority of traditionalists who wanted to keep the status quo? This is the question that will be asked in another 150 years, when people look back and say, how could a dead bird in the middle of the dining table have ever been a traditional symbol of gratitude and family? Don't you want to be on the compassionate side of history? Let the Thanksgiving tradition evolve to a new standard of kindness, and let's resolve to shed no blood in the name of a holiday celebration. We can celebrate a new tradition and host a vegan Thanksgiving dinner for family and friends. It could be an intimate gathering of just close friends and family, or a large community potluck. However we decide to celebrate our gratitude, let's be brave and forward-thinking enough to initiate a new tradition of compassion— there are numerous delicious vegan options for holiday centerpieces such as tofurkey roast, field roasts, celebration roast, and Gardein's savory stuffed turkey, just to name a few. 
A stuffed pumpkin or other large squash can also make a beautiful centerpiece. All the traditional side dishes can be made vegan easily with non-dairy milks and other plant-based alternatives. There's even vegan eggnog, and I can personally attest that it is delightful. Tradition should uplift and strengthen a community. As long as a tradition causes suffering, it is hindering our entire society's ability to thrive. By practicing compassion, love, and kindness, we can create a society where our holiday traditions facilitate a better world for ourselves and all species on Earth. Happy Thanksgiving! You just listened to Dying Traditions, The Truth About Thanksgiving Turkey, Part 2, by Hope Bohannik at freefromharm.org, posted at all-creatures.org. And I'm Marian Erickson, your host, and... I went through a period of time where I was vegetarian for over a decade and then started eating animals again, basically because I selfishly got annoyed with the lousy choices in restaurants, actually. And importantly, I had never educated myself on the truth about animal agriculture. But in 2011, we had our first non-vegetarian Thanksgiving meal as a family, and I searched around to find a local, humanely raised turkey. I actually drove to a farm about 45 minutes away and picked up this turkey and paid a fortune for it, but felt good about it because it was cruelty-free, right? And I went above and beyond to make sure that was the case, of course, without looking into anything other than what this farm said on their website. But my then nine-year-old daughter, who was raised vegetarian from birth and refused to eat animals even when I started eating them again, hand wrote a card and put it on the kitchen island while I was making Thanksgiving dinner and getting ready for tons of people to come over and then ran back out of the room. On the front of the card it says IMPORTANT in all caps with 10 exclamation points afterwards. I open up the card and inside it says if you were a baby turkey around Thanksgiving dot 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 you would see someone going up to your mummy. You couldn't look. Then you would turn around and go up to her, but she would be picked up and carried away after you got to her. And then again in all caps, DO SOMETHING! SAVE THE ANIMALS! And a whole bunch more exclamation points. It stopped me in my tracks, so I sat down at the computer to look up some information on these wonderful humanely raised turkeys that I researched and purchased. And I wanted to prove to her that the baby birds didn't miss their mothers. So I googled, do baby turkeys need their mothers? And sadly, I learned that yes, they do. And I couldn't even finish reading the article. So not only was I not able to go put her at ease, I was a little horrified, couldn't finish, and basically didn't look into it anymore. I'll read that article tomorrow. It was actually from United Poultry Concerns. But looking back at this card that I saved from my daughter, I see how sweet her heart is and how right she was. She hadn't been indoctrinated to believe that animals don't have feelings and nothing hurts them and they wouldn't be born at all if they weren't born to be raised as food for us. But in looking at this now, knowing what I know, I see how sweet and naive it was for us to believe that humans are nicer than they are and that turkeys raised for food at least get to stay together, mothers and babies. But no, that's not the case at all, as you'll hear tomorrow. But to anyone now who's already bought their turkey or is going to someone's home where they've bought a turkey and thinks, well, I might as well eat it because 
the bird's already dead, it would just be a bigger dishonor to not eat them. Uh, no. If you wouldn't do that to a human or a dog or a cat or some other beloved being, if you wouldn't eat them just because they were already dead, then don't do it to the Thanksgiving turkey. Don't let that be your excuse. Now here I am doing everything I can to help educate people because I never bothered to educate myself and I contributed to abuse and cruelty for so long. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit and please encourage others to have a cruelty-free holiday season. And thanks for listening.